Kings chapter number 5, starting with verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the the king of Syria said, Go to, go. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mightest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent forth, uh, sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake to him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, would thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I know this is a story you've heard before, um, but I think it's of vast importance. Um, and I said that because that um, we, we, are, uh, we are living amongst a, a, a culture of deception. And sadly, that deception is in the—it's in religion, uh, and it's in different places. I said last night, and and you can mark it down. Not very far from here, uh, there are places that uh, that and I'm so proud of our kids and our youth. And every morning when they uh, sing up here on Sunday school uh, and and lead us in singing, my uh, my heart is so proud uh, to see what they do uh, and to see how they. Uh, they serve the Lord uh, uh, with the light that they have. And my prayer is there will come a day when uh, God will send the Holy Ghost unto them and uh, begin to draw them and convict them. Uh, uh, because, friends, that's still 
still the way it takes. That's still the plan of salvation. I still believe it takes a, a godly sorrow. That word is repentance. You can't repent without the godly sorrow. It does no good. But there has to be a godly sorrow. That worketh repentance and not to be repented of. And so with that godly sorrow and repentance, He grants us the measure of faith. And that's still the way it takes. But there are those not far from us right now that that take these little children and when they get to a certain age, they put them in a little class and they they teach them in that class for a year or so. And at the end of that year or so, they will confirm them and sprinkle them. Tell them now they're fit subjects for the kingdom of God. And that's that's all there is to it in their mind. And it's, it's dangerous what they're doing to those souls. But sometimes equally dangerous is, is making it overcomplicated. And so I believe that's we what we do sometimes because we don't want to make it seem too easy. And so sometimes we overcomplicate things. And so I want to try to preach this morning on, on a verse that we read unto you. And, and uh, let's see which verse it is. Uh, it's verse 11. Uh, and just uh, three words in that. Behold, I thought. Behold, I thought. And so I've thought about this this week. And and I thought and I said a while ago that that we don't never know from one Sunday to the next how many will be gathered in. And this could very well be the last Sunday we're all together. I I preached one night this week that that John in the book of Revelation turned and he said, I saw the souls of them that had been slain under the altar that had been slain for the preaching. Slain for the teaching, slain for the serving of Jesus Christ. And they cried out and said, Lord, how long wilt thou not avenge us? How long is Babylon going to stand? Sinner friend, old Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church, let me be perfectly honest to you this morning about the authority of the Word of God. I can confidently say that if this world does not begin to repent, and turn back to God. The day is soon coming on planet earth. And Babylon will fall. We're headed that direction right now. And the, the word came back when they asked that. Uh, the word came back and said that John there will be a day. When the last one shall be martyred. There will be a day when the blood will be spilled for the last time. Uh, can I caution you today, sinner friend? Uh, there will be a day uh, that you will receive the last invitation uh, that you ever get on this side of eternity. And there's not one on the other side. Uh, there, uh, there's coming a day when the last time it shall be given. Uh, when one last opportunity is given to you. Uh, when one more time the Spirit of God begins to strive with your soul at one time. There's coming a day on planet earth when the last gospel message will be preached. There's coming a day when that will be no more and the last one that will ever be saved will be saved. Can I caution you this morning? I don't want to overcomplicate things, but that's why I want to try to preach a simple thought. Uh, you see here in the land of uh, in the land of Syria there was a man 
named Naaman. We read about him. He was a mighty man. He was a soldier. He was a warrior. He was a, he was a man of valor. He was a man that had literally won wars for this nation. And people respected him. And everywhere he went, they said, There comes that great Naaman. Uh, he would be uh, like a four-star general or such uh, uh, in our terminology, I guess. But, uh, but he was a man of great respect. Uh, but he was a leper. Nobody had to tell Naaman he was a leper. He knew he was a leper. You see, leprosy in that day was absolutely 100% incurable. There was nothing that he could do. There was nothing that he could do to help him. But in that day, uh, to watch for leprosy was a big thing. <laughs> because every time you would have... I, my daddy had melanoma years ago. And to this day, every time there's a place that comes up that don't look right, I go to the doctor. Uh, because I understand how genetics work. I understand that people can be predispositioned uh, to get things like that. And so he had it. And I'm cautious. Uh, but this, in this culture, in this time that Naaman and lived in, uh, when you would have a little red spot come up, uh, we wouldn't think anything about it in modern medicine, uh, but there would be a little red spot that would come up, uh, and you'd begin to watch that, and begin to worry about it, uh, and over the course of time, that red spot, uh, it would turn white, uh, and it would begin to grow, uh, and over time, that little red spot had turned into a white spot, and that white spot would grow, uh, and get shiny, and get almost scaly, uh, and that was a sign that you were a leper, uh, but it didn't stop there. Uh, I believe God used the natural disease of leprosy uh, to show us the inward condition of the depravity of a man's soul. Uh, I believe that's the purpose of leprosy in the Bible uh, was to show us that uh, it was an outward symbol of what was taking place on the inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl that had been born uh, since the time that Adam sinned. Uh, but this happened outwardly and so men could see and those spots would become scaly and they'd become shiny and over the course of time uh, uh, what would happen first, your hair uh, would begin to come out, uh, your eyes brows would begin to come out. Your beard would begin to fall out. A little bit after that, as time progressed, if you were still alive, your toes and your fingers and the joints in them would just draw up. And your fingernails and your toenails would just simply fall off. And your digits would rot. And they would eventually just rot away to the point where they would fall off. Your teeth would fall out. And your gums would become shrunken up. Uh, your eyes would go back in their sockets uh, and you would just literally, uh, your nose would even get to the point where it would literally fall off of your face. In other words, you were rotten. You were rotten. It was a disease that attacked the flesh. And once it began its attack, there was nothing you could do to slow it down. It was going to happen and it would eventually take your very life. Can I tell you this morning that uh, that is a perfect representation as to what happens on the inside of the soul of every man. Every man, woman, boy, and girl are born with a depraved nature. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school about John the Baptist. Uh, I believe, yes, he was a good man. Uh, I believe as a boy, he was a good boy. Uh, but I believe his nature was just as corrupt as mine. 
and just as corrupt as yours. And so God sent that disease of leprosy to show an outward symbol of what is truly going on. And you see, sinner friend, I, I preached one day this week about the scales of judgment. About there was a time in the Old Testament where, uh, where there was a king in Babylon uh, that had a message sent to him from God himself uh, that said, uh, you have been weighed in the balances uh, and you came up short uh, and now you're going to be divided and your kingdom has come to an end. Uh, sinner friend, could I warn you that there's going to come a day uh, when you step out of time and in into eternity, uh, but before you step into eternity, you're going to find yourself on a scale and you're going to be judged. And most people in this culture think and have been taught uh, that if you do more good than bad, uh, that that's how the scales of judgment are going to go. Uh, that they'll pile up all of your good works uh, and all of your evil works, uh, and whichever one weighs the more, that's where you'll go. That's not the way it is. You need to understand your nature. You need to understand why you do this. That's what God's concerned with. Not necessarily a fact of what you do, but why do you do what you do? And that's because you're of a depraved nature. It's because depravity is so wretched. Uh, those lepers, when they would get around people, as a matter of fact, there were laws uh, that prevented them, in Israel anyway, from even being around anybody else. Uh, they would have to stand on the outside. It was a lonely life. Uh, it was a separated life. Uh, it was a life where you couldn't lay down with your family. It was a life where you couldn't drag your boy and daughter, uh, your son and daughter. You couldn't put them on your knee. You couldn't read them a bedtime story. But it was a disease that caused you to stay away. And you would have to stay on the outside of that camp and walk around. And if anybody got within so many feet of you, you were by law required to throw your hands up and announce unto them, I am unclean. Don't come near me. Because it was contagious in that manner. And so it was a lonely life. And it was a hard life. Could I say one more thing? It was a life that offered no hope. There was no hope for the leper. None whatsoever. No man had ever cared it. It could not be done. Now there were... There were things that Moses commanded, and, and go, but as far as a man cured, it had never happened. And even until the days of the Lord, it had never happened, but He did. Uh, but at any rate, uh, God wants you to understand today the depravity of your nature and the depravity of your soul. And this man, Naaman, knew he was a leper. And so when I became lost before God uh, one night, no man told me, Brother, you're lost. Benji, I believe you're lost. No man had to tell me that. I was fine until the time came when something changed. I was fine. I was in fellowship with God, I guess. I was under the innocence and had really no, no problem with God and really God didn't have a problem with me. Up until a certain point in life, I got by pretty good like that. But there came one night in particular that He revealed unto me 
I was that leper. That I was depraved. That I was a sinner. And so nobody had to tell me that. There was just something in the, on the inside that I knew about. That I knew I was different than I was when I got to church. That I knew sometime while I was sitting in that cube, my fellowship with God had been dissolved. My innocence had faded away. And now I was holy, 100% accountable to God for being a sinful man. Now it's no shame to be a sinner. It happens we're all sinners. But there is something to be said. It is a shame to remain in that condition. Can I say this morning, you don't have to stay a sinner. You don't have to stay a leper. But Naaman understood his condition. And there was a little maid there that Naaman had taken captive from the land of Israel. And she came from the land of Israel. She came under the prophets. She came from the teaching under the judges. She knew of Samuel and Eli. She knew of Moses. And she knew of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She knew the God of heaven. She knew the God that sent the plagues down to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And even though she had been carried captive, I believe she loved her master. I believe she loved Naaman because she told Naaman's wife as she told her mistress Oh, that my Lord were just in Samaria. For there is a God there. And there is a prophet there. And He could surely help. And now mind you, no man had ever done that before. But she had enough faith. You see, she loved her Master. I miss the day. Can I be honest with you? I'm not trying to be critical, but can I just preach just for a minute this morning? Can I do that just for a minute? She had enough love. I miss the days when the church was concerned enough about a sinner that they loved them. That they'd go to them. It wasn't that long or far removed in our history, around our people, in our churches, that during revival, men would hide and men would run and men would not come. And you know what? The church, the men of that church, the deacons of the church, I would gather some old saints of God and they would say, I'm not going to let that man run and hide. And they would go to their house and pray for them. Dear Henry, you know that's not been that long ago. And you, and you say, preacher, where's the power of God gone? The power of God left when the love left. That's what happened. There was a time in the history of Israel that Ezekiel said, I saw the glory of God lift up off of the temple. Can I say we're in danger of that today? We've lost our cry. We've lost our joy. We've lost our concern. Let me go a step further. It doesn't have to be revival. I've mentioned to you before, I'm disappointed with Sunday night. Preacher, don't you talk about that again. Let me just say, people say, I've had them say to me, well, the preachers on Sunday night maybe aren't up to snuff. Or up to... You know what would help them more than anything? If more than 15 came out. That would help them. And here to hear a church get behind them and say amen, amen once in a while. Maybe they'd begin to grow in power. 
if that happened. Can I tell you how hard it is sometimes for the man of God to spend hour after hour in prayer and study and when you get there there's 10 or 15 and you know half of them don't even want to be there. That's hard. She loved Naaman. And she said, Naaman, I want to help you. Can I say tonight, I mentioned a while ago that these children, they take notes. They take note. I can remember when I was a kid. It's been a long time now. A lot of sunrises and sunsets have happened since that day. But I can remember the saints of God who paid attention to me and cared for my soul. I know them. I remember them. Most of them have long since departed. But there's going to come a day I'm going to look at them in the portals of heaven past the glory curtain and I'll say unto them what I never could while they was alive that now I know that you prayed for me and I want to thank you. Thank you for taking such an interest. Thank you maybe for coming to me one night. Thank you for calling my name to God in prayer. She loved Naaman enough to do that. I'm afraid, church, today we've lost our cry. We've lost our burden. We've lost our concern. And we just think, well, that's between them and God. Yes, sir, it is. But God sends the power through His church. And if the church has no power with God, it's not a fit place where a sinner will ever get saved. Do you realize that? Amen. <laughs> I mean it has to. But we've lost our joy. We've lost our desire. And we've lost the joy. And you know what a privilege you have today in America as we celebrate another birthday this week? It's an honor and a privilege. It shouldn't be a chore to get you to the house of God. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be hard. The man of God shouldn't have to plead with you. I've got a daddy. I've got a father that lives in Tuckstall. He shouldn't have to plead with me. A son come into my house. There's some things I've got. I want you to understand. There's some things, son, I want you to know. I go in. I've been gone a long time. I've been married nearly 25 years in just a few months. I'm still welcome at my father's house. He shouldn't have to beg me to walk in. It's the same thing. God shouldn't have to beg you. I believe if He saved you, that you have an obligation. And especially if you've covenanted yourself together with other believers, you have a moral obligation. You have an obligation under the God that saved you. Now, amen, that's right. That's right. But we've lost it. We've lost our love. We don't enjoy the Word. We don't enjoy the preaching. We don't enjoy the singing. And don't enjoy the testifying. And then we wonder when are these sinners going to move and get saved? When they see something on the inside of the church that we've got something on the inside of us and that we've got something to shout about, we've lost our shout today, church. And sinners know. They know when you're sincere. They know when, when somebody's coming to them in sincerity. They know when you love them and when you don't. I'm telling you, they're not, they're not stupid this morning. They know. Naaman knew. I'm in trouble. 
Naaman knew I need some help. And so Naaman, uh, Naaman went to the king and the king of Syria said, I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel. Uh, uh, non-religious people or non-saved people, let me phrase it that way. Uh, they don't even know where to go for help. Uh, the king of Israel uh, had no power to heal him. Uh, it wouldn't be any different than going to Joe Biden or to Donald Trump. The president has no power in the matters that belong to God. None, none, none has power to start wars and Congress has power to declare war, but they have no power to help somebody in need with their soul. And so, so he went to the king and, and, and Naaman got this letter from his king and took it to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, you know what he did? He opened up that letter and read. He tore his clothes and he said, Who does this man think that I am? I can't heal the leper. And Naaman carried with him. I read a study once about how much gold he took with him. And they said the best that they could come up with that in today's time he had $1.2 million of gold. That's a lot of money. Uh, can I say today uh, the power of God is not for sale uh, you can't buy it you can't sell it but this man wanted to he wanted to be cured you know there's a lot of I preached last night about us hiding behind our stuff there's a lot of people today that hide behind what they give I hide behind that offering I hide behind the donations I've done so much good that's good being charitable is good it's a calling from God I give with a cheerful heart I support the church I support the man of God I support the missions but there's only one thing fit to hide behind when you're on the scale of judgment, you better be hiding under the blood of Christ. Nothing else will matter. But men hide behind what they did. This man had over a million dollars. I want to be healed. I want you to heal me of my leprosy. And the king of Israel ran his clothes said, I can't do that. I don't have that kind of power. Uh, let me be honest with you this morning. Uh, this preacher don't have that kind of power. As much as some of our brethren like to think so, the Baptist church don't have the power to save a sinner. Not any. Not any. The Baptist church has no power except the power that God gives when His people desire the moving of the Spirit. We have no idea. No, I, no, not able to save. But let me be perfectly honest with you. When the Baptist people get their hearts right, get the world off of their mind, get lost sinners on their mind, get lost sinners knowing they're going to hellfire and damnation, I do believe God's power comes through His church. Then sinners fall under that power. But I have not that power. Neither do you. But we, as God's church, do have access to it. But this king said, I can't help you. I can't help you. And Elisha got word of that. Now Naaman was pretty upset. He had traveled a long way to be healed. And he was kind of upset. And Elisha got wind of that. And he said, you tell the king not to tear his clothes no more. You send that man to me. And when he comes, when he leaves, he will know that there is a prophet in his. Can I tell you today, church, 
We ought to have the faith to say that. That these lost sinners will know that there is a God in heaven. He said that sinners will know. I want to show Naaman there is a prophet and a man of God. Send him to me. Now Naaman went. Naaman went and his servants went. And when he got there, Elisha heard him coming. And he sent his servant. He said, just go out, tell this man to go dip in Jordan seven times. Now, that's my thought. Salvation today, the plan is easy. Don't you misunderstand me. Don't you miss Salvation isn't easy for the sinner. But you know what the hard part is? Getting to that place where you're willing to die to your sin and look unto one greater than you. That's the hard part. The plan of salvation, God made it so simple that the smallest child among us can understand. He made it so plain and so simple. I've heard some of your testimonies. Well, God dealt with my heart when I was six years old. Now, there's people that would scoff at that today. And I would say you better be careful. How people mature at age at different times. And so if God reveals that to a six-year-old, it means it's not that hard to understand. It's really not. We make it more difficult than it really is. It made Naaman so angry. And he said, Behold, I thought, there's our problem. There's our problem. He said, I thought that this man of God that I've heard so much about, that he was a man who the name of Elisha had spread. He was a man that had, that had turned away an entire Syrian army blind. He was a man that had helped out a widow woman. He was a man that brought a child from death back to life. And so Naaman had heard from his maid, there is a man in Israel that has power with God. He's brought the dead back to life. And Naaman said, I thought he would have came out and called upon his God and laid his hands on my leprosy and took it away. I thought. For the devil has got so many people bound with their thought. So many. So many. I believe some have even been saved but because their thinking and their thoughts don't line up with exactly how they thought it would happen, that he has them so believing that they're yet in their sins. Other times people say, Preacher, it can't. I thought, name, can I tell you what's the truth tonight? Well, that's not what brother so-and-so said. It's not what this church... I don't care what anybody tells you. Repent and believe and you shall be saved. It is that preacher. Surely there's something I have to do. I've heard people say I had to get to a spot. I will. In your mind, I'm not going to say you were wrong. But let me ask. God didn't. He draws you to Himself, not to a place. He draws you to. A, in other words, if your heart gets in enough trouble, you can just as easily be saved there as here. 
Because if you say anything else, it's a works based that I have to get to an old stump. I have to get to the place from afar. If I can just get there, God will say, you know what that is? That's saying I did it. Now you owe me. And that is works based salvation. Now, you might have to go there. Because you can't get away from it in your mind. But let me be perfectly honest. If something happens to you and you die before you get there and you die lost, then you know what you'll have to say? You can't say, I was going to the place. God don't draw you to the place. He draws you to the cross. Amen. Amen. That's right. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Now, that woman with an issue of blood, she had one concern. I've got to get to Him. Hey, let me tell you something. I've seen you come to the altar. Hey, little boys and girls, let me be honest. You must get to Him. Nothing else will help you. Nothing. I'll pray with you and I'll pray for you. As long as you can call me, every one of you have my number. I'll stay up with you every night. I'll do everything I can for you. I'll pray with you. But there comes a part of that journey where no man can help you. All I know to tell you is you must get to Jesus Christ and not stop until He's precious unto your soul. Naaman said, Behold, I thought. And Satan has tripped us up with that. He's tried that with me in my life. Now behold, I thought, I thought I'd have seen a great thing. I thought I'd have shouted. I thought, I've heard people say that everything looked different. The sky was bluer and the grass was greener. And I thought it would be that way with me. I've heard people say that, that, that when they were saved, the preacher had a countenance and everybody's face was shining. And so I thought, I've heard people say, I saw a great light. And so I thought that you get in trouble with your thoughts this morning. That's what hinders you. It's not hard. Salvation is not hard. You know what is hard? There has to be a moment when you completely die out the sin and die out the self. There has to be a moment and that's hard to get to. But you have to come to the place where you realize I'm depraved and I'm, I'm in depravity. And just like the leprosy is going to kill Naaman, your sin is rotting away at your soul. It will destroy you. You have to get to that point. Where I need some help. And it might not come the way you think. I thought. And you know what? You know what my job is to tell you this morning? I'll be honest. There are times that thought trips up a preacher. There will be times that I'll ask God to give me a message. And He'll give me one. And I'll say, no, 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 not that one. And not that one. I thought you would help me to preach to the lost. I thought you would help me. God don't work that way. But his thoughts are greater than mine and higher than mine. And so a lot of times I thought, I thought, Lord, I thought by now some of our children would be saved. I thought they would too. Can I tell you my job as a pastor and a preacher is just to state a simple truth over and over and over again that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and whosoever believeth and trusteth in Him shall be saved. 
That's a simple thought and a simple truth. But let me be honest with you. If you're look, you know what Satan he hounded me and hounded me and hounded me. And you know what God told me one day? Every time I'd ask him, and God didn't get mad, he'd grab me up, sweep me away in the spirit to the night and the time and place. And when I say time and place, that's another thing. Say, well, you don't even know when it was. You don't even, he'll tell that to you. I've heard Brother Chuck say it doesn't matter. Absolutely true. 100%. But when we say time and place, just because you don't remember the exact time of day, and there are those that do, and God bless you. I've heard people say it was 12.03, right after midnight, and I've heard people say almost to the second, I can't do that. I believe it was a Sunday, but I'm not 100% sure. I could more or less get you around about the year that it happened, uh, but I don't exactly know that either. Uh, but there's a spot and a place of God, and in that place, there was a time that this man did this preacher reached the end of himself, and when I reached the end of myself, that was the hardest part. And knowing, Lord, there is nothing more I can do, and I need you to save me. That's the hard part. Once you get there, it's pretty easy from that point to fall into the hands of a God that loves you. But getting to that point is hard. And so the servant of Nathan. When Naaman was angry and he said, Behold, I thought this man of God would come. You know what his servant said? Master, if he had come out, if Elisha had come out and bid you do some great thing, would you not have done it? Had there been people down through the history of time uh, that would cut themselves, uh, they would defile themselves, uh, they would say that pain brings the glory of God. Uh, there are people today uh, that have baptized, been baptized, rebaptized. Uh, there are people today that have tried everything. Uh, what must I do to be saved? Uh, there's tried Every sacrament that uh, people are hiding behind the bread and wafers and wine of uh, the church of Rome. Uh, they're hiding behind the candle lights and being dunked in water. Uh, can I cannot tell you this much tonight. If you're looking for something, what God told me one night. As I was concerned with my soul, I've been saved, but Satan had hounded me. You know what he said? He said, Benji, he took me up and he showed me that time and place. And he said, right there, you've got all you're going to get. You can take it or you can leave it. And I said, Lord, I'll take it. <laughs> it's good. I'll take it. I knew what I had. Sometimes Satan can confuse you. He can Sometimes he can say, but I thought. But I thought. And it takes a God greater than you to show you your fault doesn't really mean much. It don't matter what you thought. They said, if he had asked you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? If I asked you tonight today to do some great thing to be saved, if I told you I would lay out a bed of nails and you had to crawl across that bed of nails and make your way up to this altar and endure pain and suffering beyond measure, you would do it in a heartbeat. But if a man of God has somehow it's modern thinking to preach, repent, and believe and you shall be saved, I'll be the first to say unto you, I'm not making it easy. I'm not making it an easy believism. But I'm saying to you, when God 
God deals with your heart if you tried any other way besides trusting yourself in the marriage of one that died for you, then you will never find what you're seeking. You must repent and believe the truth contained in the Gospel. You shall be saved. Any other thing? You mean creature that's... I didn't say it was easy. God's part of it is easy. That quick. That quick. But it's hard to get to that place. Naaman got there. and I didn't even get to what I was... But that's alright. Six times he dipped. Six times he came up out of joy. He said, not abandoned far, far better rivers. They were clean. They were rivers up off the side of a mountain. They had pure, fresh water. No doubt about it, they were better than the River Jordan. The Jordan River today and always has been an extremely muddy thing. It's, a, it's an affront to your eyes when you think of water. It ends up in the Dead Sea. And so the picture of getting into Jordan is a picture of being in death and dying to death and dying to sin and going down to the Dead Sea. And that's what Naaman had to do. But six times, preacher, I've came to that altar six times. Now what if the seventh time's different? See, you, you don't stop until you get it. Six times Naaman dipped. Six times he was disappointed. I heard a man say this week, uh, the night that I got saved, he said, I've been seeking for years on an altar. Got to deal with me, not seek. And I, I really thought I was repenting. Ah, but he said the night that I got saved, I went further than I'd ever come before. And I finally saw the depravity of my soul. I finally saw me standing before God. He was just like Naaman, rotten on the inside. And he, so I went farther that time. When Naaman dipped that seventh time, I believe he went farther. I believe he dipped a little deeper. I believe he believed a little stronger. I believe he realized it's now or never. If I don't get it this time, I will die in this condition. That ought to be your mindset. If you ought to want it that bad that it's now. I've got to have it now. If I don't get it now, I'm going to die lost. When you get to that place, repentance and faith, it is simple. But it's hard to get there. Behold, I thought. Could I ask you today? You do have to have a faculty of your mind. I'm not. But some of this thinking is nothing but overthinking. Some of this thinking is not of God; it's of the devil. And so it's hard to separate that out. I know, but there is a spirit that can show you. If you're here today and you're lost, I wish you would see your need to be saved. Until you do, you'll never be saved. But if you know, nobody had to tell Naaman he was a leper. If you know you're rotten on the inside. Why don't you come today before it's too late as we sing together?